Hello again, everybody. I'm your host, Felipe Melicio, and you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. And with me, as always, is Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this evening? I am awesome. We're both back in the saddle after what feels like a long time. Yeah, it's been almost a month now, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah a, a little under a month, yeah. We're, uh, but we're back, and we're yeah. better than ever. Uh, the Mets have somehow survived the June swoon. We have no offense, but hey, we didn't completely fall on our faces like we do every single june for the last 10 years so that's always fun yeah uh just word of advice i do hear a little echo i don't know where it's coming from oh, whether okay. it's from you or me but anyway uh, ricky velasquez is on hello ricky how you doing and jacob you already mentioned uh before the show started that he's on as well so thank you guys for joining us this evening uh let's uh well without further ado let's get going here we got a lot to cover it's in uh we got a lot to catch up on and we're just gonna look at uh, some notable uh players who might be available on waiver wire again, as I always do, I like to keep it under 50% because, uh, uh, you know, like for example, Gary Sanchez, he went up 4% Sean from 93% to 97%. But we all know who Gary Sanchez is. I know, you know this because I told you guys, don't be afraid to draft Gary Sanchez. Uh, and, and me and Steven, we talked about this. Gary Sanchez yes, was one of the guys that we talked about. And of course he went out and he continued doing well, but still, I don't buy it. Everyone uh, says, oh, everyone acted like because he batted 190 in 2020 that Gary Sanchez didn't hit 39 home runs in 2019. And I'm like, yeah, but since what, 2018, he's batted 202? Like it was like the lowest batting average in baseball. And I know batting average isn't the biggest stat, but still, I mean, he's been atrocious. But this year he's been better. He's always been one to hit the ball hard. Um, I guess they had to sacrifice Glabar Torres to uh, bring Gary Sanchez back to relevancy. It, well, it's working for me, man. You're looking at your number one uh, team in the Baseball Life Fantasy League, and it's in no small part due to Gary Sanchez uh, kind of revitalizing himself at my catching position. So I'm, you know, I was listening to you guys talk about that, and I'm just like, you know, minding my own business, sipping my tea, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's why you guys are all uh, behind me now in the standings, so. Oh, yo, so you moved into first place yesterday. I, I, I have so not put, looked no, at... Wait, hold on now. I, I had so not looked possession. at the standings. No, I, I don't even know if I won last. Uh, so, no, I think you lost. Sole possession of first place. Did win. Oh, there you go. I, I beat so, Henry. Sorry, Henry. Sole possession of first place over here, and I've been dominating the uh, uh, the Roto standings all year long. I, I'm the only team with over 200 points still, and I'm 3-0 and since I did the recap back on Father's Day. So everything's looking uh, kosher for me right now, man. Can't complain. But anyway, that's why we're not talking about Gary Sanchez because we all know who Gary Sanchez is. We all know who Sean Murphy is. Those are the notables. We're here to talk about those sneaky players that no one knows about or maybe no one should know about. And I got a list of five catches for you to start off the show. And you tell me who you want to talk about here. Luis Torrens, Reese McGuire, Tyler Stevenson, Mike Zunino. And uh, let's go with let's go with Jan Gomes. Which of those five guys do you want to talk about? I of course I got to go with Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson has been my dude. He's on my roster in the Baseball Life League. Of course, you know former top prospect. A lot of those names you did mention are solid. You know, good players. You know, Mike Zanino's kind of Gary Sanchez light. Uh, Reese McGuire uh, likes getting handsy with it in parking lots. So oh. we'll, we'll we'll move past him. Uh, but Tyler Stevenson is just awesome. I I, I love him, and it all boils down to. He has a great approach, and he's has the prospect capital that 
the Reds are going to have to start playing him more and more and more. Um, he has a 17 and a half or a 17 and a half percent strikeout rate. That's good. Um, that's well below league average, but he has a 12 and a half percent walk rate, a 90th percentile in whiff, 92nd percentile in chase rate. So he focused, he, he doesn't, you know, make mistakes. And uh, I believe the line drive percentage, yeah, it's up to 25%. The ground ball percentage has spiked in the last month or so. It's about 55%. You want to see that below 50, you know, optimally low 40s below that. But um, I still like him, especially if he gets more and more playing time. He's been kind of in that platoon with Tucker Barnhart. But I I do really like Tyler Stevenson. He's still only 24 years old, especially for a guy that was drafted all the way back in 2015, six years ago, 11th overall. Um, I, I really like him. He catchers take a long time to develop, and no one is a better example of that than Tyler Stevenson. Yeah, or uh, <clears throat> or all the countless old thirty year old catchers we constantly talk about, like uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Travis Darno is a good example. Before yeah. he got hurt, he was a prime example as to why you might want to be patient with catchers. Speaking of which, I see Adley Rushman continuing to kind of uh, crawl upwards and this uh, ownership rates. Um, do you believe Adley Rushman is going to be called up this year? Uh, I think it, if anything, it's just going to be a late September call up and then they might still try and play with the manipulation at the beginning of next year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he's doing awesome up in, I, be- I believe he's in double A. He hasn't gotten the call to triple A yet, but he's walking more than he strikes out 284 on base over 420. Uh, he's just absolutely insane. Granted, there is another catcher prospect that is nipping at his heels and he has the second highest OPS of any teenager in the minors. And that is Francisco Alvarez. And so very, very, very quickly, Francisco Alvarez is climbing up to, I believe, Adley Rutschman territory. And I know that sounds crazy to say, cause he's still only, you know, 18, 19 years old and Rutschman's already almost 24. I think he's halfway to 24, something like that. But, um, yeah, those are two really good guys that uh, if you don't have them rostered, if you're in a redraft, I don't think I would go add them, obviously, because Alvarez isn't going to play this year. But um, for some reason, if you're in a shallow keeper league, yeah, make sure you get those guys soon. And other uh, players worth noting, uh, these are guys who uh, have not seen a big jump in their standings. But, you know, Jacob Stallings, who we talked about before, Joey Bart is another catching prospect. He's only at 21% ownership rate my guy Dalton Varshow I still believe in him but nobody else does but he's only at 14 percent and uh, I just want to say that it, as, as soon as things click for him he's outfield eligible he's catcher eligible I know he's playing more catcher than usual because uh what's his face Carson, Carson Kelly, Kelly. Jinx. Yep. um but if he ever gets regular playing time Sean he's playing outfield and he qualifies a catcher you can't ask for better than that and uh, uh, I'm just worried that he is a guy that I liked. He really is. He showed, you know, solid on base skills in the minors, but I'm just a little concerned. He just never actually hits at the major league level. And I mean, he's looked overmatched in really both times he's been in the big leagues. Uh, OPS of 653 only batted 188 last year. Um, struck out, I believe it was, yeah, 28.5% of the time. And then this year, more of the same, batting 158, OPS of 430, striking out nearly 30% of the time. Uh, he's really got to f- figure out that swing and miss. Uh, it's something that if he doesn't figure it out, he's not going to go anywhere. You know what the kids say, hit or miss, I bet he never misses. Huh? <laughs> he's not Richard Staff. He does miss a lot. 
<laughs> well, I still believe in him. I, I want to believe in him. Uh, catching is so thin. We just named you a bunch of names and they're not impressive names. They're just like kind of a uh, shot in the dark. You mentioned your guy there, um, uh, Tyler Stevenson, but he's still in a platoon. So is Dalton Barshow, but he has some pedigree on him. So we'll see what happens. Let's move on to first base. Uh, Kesson Hira qualifies at first base. So listen, I use his uh, as a GIF in preparation for the show to hype up the show a little bit tonight. Uh, Hero is back, and it looks like, in, at least in my points league, he's just racking up the points. Only owned in 48% of leagues, and we got to start, we got to talk about him, uh, and I'll give you the five names later, but let's uh, start with Hiura. What Has anything changed in your eyes? No! no oh, oh, actually, I lied. I lied. Something has changed. Daniel Vogelbach got hurt. That's the yeah. only thing that changed. If he was not hurt, Vogelbach would still be playing first base. Keston Hiura would still be striking out over 30% of the time in the minor leagues. I don't care that he batted 400 in with an on base over 500 over, you know, 20 games in AAA. He was striking out 30% of the time. The swinging strike rate was still ginormous. No, nothing changed except the caliber of pitching faced that can't execute pitches in order to get him out. Well, guess what? In the major leagues, they can execute and they have gotten him out a lot. He, oh God. I need some blood pressure medication. This he's is just hit. He's hit two home runs and drove in five RBI since coming back on June 23rd. And that, that was the, uh, let me see the uh, June 23rd. Oh, oh, let... at Arizona. And then three games at home against Colorado, which you can't ask for better pitching situations. And if and he struck player. out uh, five times and uh, eight and 12. Yeah. And 13, 12, 13 at bats. Yeah, so, so, yeah, uh, strikeout rate of uh, 40%, a little under that, 40%. Yeah, 2.6. He strikes out every 2.6 at-bats. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. But, that uh, I, It's just not going to work for me. But listen, he he uh, he went from a buck 27 after the Arizona game on the 23rd of June, and now he's up to 149. Oh, God. Well, yeah. in, in my points league, uh, he's already scored about 18 points already. In a, I mean, in, it, it is really days. funny with Keston Hira is that you look at some of the things, you know, like the kind of more generic, like average exit velocity um, and barrel percentage. Barrel percentage, it's at a career high, 15.5%. Average exit velocity, career high, 92.5%. But career high strikeout rate, 387 with only a 6% walk rate, he whiffs at – you're not going to believe me when I say this. I believe His whiff rate on fastballs in 2021 is 50%, 49.7. His whiff rate against breaking balls is 50%. It's – oh, God. He – like, I don't know what to say. People refuse to draft Joey Gallo. And yet we'll tell you to draft <laughs> Keston Hero in the top 100 two years running, but then say, I'm never drafting Joey Gallo. He's a batting average drain. Like, seriously, cut me, right. cut me a break. Got a few comments I want to address. Uh, Jacob's telling us to take off that hat. Is he talking about you or me? Uh, it's prob- wearing- probably me. What are you wearing? I can't the sell. The Mets World Series hat. From what? Uh, 1986? No, uh, 15. Just the World ha. Series. It's a period. It's a pennant, National League pennant. Oh, okay. I thought you said that. The Mets won the World Series. No, not, no, not no, recently. No. no, no. I think most of you guys were still in diapers when they won. <laughs> um, I'm wearing my Bears hat to match with the blue and my Twins uh, jersey, the Willings Astadillo special, which I got up in Minnesota a couple years back. I like telling that story a lot, as you could tell. All right, and uh, Jacob's also asking about 
Tyler Soderstrom, the catching prospect from the Oakland Athletics, seems like he's off to a good start in the minor leagues, but he's only 19 years old. Uh, if you're not what dynasty league only here, Sean, or what? Yeah, dynasty league only. He's probably, I would assume, already owned. Uh, he is a lefty batting catcher. I love lefty batting catchers. Steven Vote, I always, for some reason, liked more than I probably should have. Uh, <laughs> just one thing that. Uh, I'll hark back to what we said about Tyler Stevenson, uh, another Tyler, young Tyler catcher that was just drafted. Um, he's 19 years old and he's a catcher. Uh, it's going to be a while, yeah. I think, before we see him. And although there are some, you know, good skill sets there, he's batting three over 300 on base of almost 400. Uh, 25% strikeout rate and a ball isn't exactly what you want to see. And I think that's why Fangrass has him listed as a 25 hit tool. Uh, guy right now projected to be 60 but he's just so far down i believe he was drafted out of high school yeah he was a high school draft i think um double check yeah turlock high school uh so high school catchers you, you gotta wait on them. they're gonna be a while uh but if there's one guy that i do like it's gonna be uh soderstrom yeah, you know how I feel about catching prospects. Uh, I, I might be turning around with athlete Rushman, but I've I've been playing this game for almost uh, 20 years. I'm something like Hawk Harrelson. I've been in this <laughs> game for 50 years now, Stoney. And I've been in this game for 20 years, and uh, every time I fall in love with one of them, except for Buster Posey, I think he's been the only one that's actually lived up to expectations uh, in terms of the hitting and fantasy baseball prowess. But every other catcher you fall in love with, and they just let you down. That's all they do. They're like the cheap hooker at the bar who just lets you down. <laughs> As you can tell, I've been watching uh, Balls of Fury lately. Okay, so <laughs> getting back to Kesson Hura, uh, Ricky uh, is saying that I think he shares everybody's sentiment about Kesson Hura. He is killing me. I had such big hopes for him. Uh, everybody had high hopes. I had high hopes for Kesson Hura. I almost drafted him, and then I kind of chickened out at the end because of all the reasons that Sean explained. Um, so I, I, we got to ask. I mean, I, I got to ask you every time we, we talk about Kesson Hura. Will he turn things around? I know it's a long, uh, it's a hell of a hole to dig yourself out of. But I mean, former first round pick, high pedigree, very toolsy prospect. Uh, you mentioned before that he's very into the analytics of the game. Probably the reason why the Brewers keep on uh, bringing him back. Is there hope that he can one day live up to expectations as soon as this year, at least? It's going to be a no for me, dog. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm going to channel my inner, inner uh, Randy Jackson. It's going to be a no for me, dog. Well, for everybody else, if you have if you have room for him uh or if you're like Ricky who is kind of pot committed, I guess you got to stick around. I, I, I will say this, uh there have been a lot of injuries to middle infielders. Um mm-hmm. good or a guy who I, I did a podcast with a couple months back, uh Tommy Legaza or John or John Legaza, I'm sorry. Uh MLB moving averages. Uh he put on one of his best ball teams where his like middle infielders were Tommy LaStella and Nick Madrigal. Um, he had like four other guys and they're all injured. Uh, so if you are in that camp uh, where you have injuries in the middle infield, like I do, I traded for Nick Madrigal in the baseball <laughs> life league. And within one week he tears his hamstring and is done for the year. Uh, but you will not catch me adding Kesson here. I will find somebody else that isn't going to just tank my uh, strikeouts to walks. So, well, for everybody else, I'm telling you, just just put them on the end of your bench and hope for the best. And if you're Ricky, <laughs> yeah, you're you're pot committed. You you drafted him early, probably. And, yeah, uh, it, it, to the people. Well, it's funny because he was dropped in so many leagues. Forty and, and that's and that's one. why we're talking about him as a waiver wire at. It, it's just uh, it, it hurts my brain honestly I, it's just yeah. people that drafted him in the top 70 uh, 
You've learned your lesson. I would have been you, you've learned your lesson. I was this close to being one of those guys, but I uh, I chickened out. All right, let's move on uh, to the next uh, batch of players. Uh, there's a lot of uh, second baseman on this list, which is really making me angry. It's a lot, of, and and Tyler Stevenson showing up on this song. I want to make sure I got this right. Okay, the next uh, batch of first baseman. You tell me who you want to talk about. C.J. Crone, Luke Voigt, Garrett Cooper. Actually, no, scratch Luke Voigt. He's 95 percent on. So let's start again. C.J. Crone, Garrett Cooper. Uh, Bobby Bradley or Christian Walker? I think I'm going to go Garrett Cooper. Okay. And it's partially because I believe Jesus Aguilar is going to be traded. And I think he's going to be traded soon uh, in the next couple of weeks. I I think Miami is going to get a head start on, you know, kind of getting rid of some of their tradable assets. Uh, I think they came out, I read a report somewhere that they don't plan on trading any of the arms that they have, even though it seems like they have a surplus. And those are because they're the most controllable, they're the cheapest, they're the youngest. But guys like Jesus Aguilar, Starling Marte, Starling Marte has said he wants to sign an extension. I I just don't think that's going to happen. But Garrett Cooper, Starling Marte, uh, Corey Dickerson's having a down year. Uh, Adam Duvall will likely stay because he's under contract pretty team-friendly contract till next year. Uh, But if any of those guys get moved, Garrett Cooper instantly inherits a whole lot more playing time. And over the last uh, a month of June, uh, on base of over 380, slugging 440, that's an 827 uh, OPS. He had a 912 OPS in May. Um, He he hits the ball hard. He's, you know, 90th percentile in hard hit rate. I've always liked him. I liked him last year. A solid line drive hitter with the potential for more pull power. Uh, Yeah, Garrett Cooper is going to be the guy because I think he has the most to gain going forward. I would have gone with CJ Crone here, but uh, I told you we can only talk about one guy. Yeah, and I I don't trust the Rockies. CJ Crone has always shown that power. And like when he signed with the Rockies, you know, he instantly like he went from never being drafted in leagues to, you know, he was. If you got him late, you were expected to have a steal, but you kind of look at his numbers so far this year, 250, 355, 460. It's not bad, but he only has 10 home runs and he only has 29 RBIs. I don't think that's what we were expecting from CJ Crone uh, in Colorado. Well, he's uh, turning it on lately. So, uh, but like I said, you can't trust the Rockies. He's probably going to get traded at the deadline where he's going to probably be a bench, a bench bat, unfortunately. So, but in the meantime, uh, if you are desperate for a first base, it's been temporarily. Uh, he might be available for you. Only on at 57% of leagues so far, uh, according to CBS Sports. Uh, moving on, there's our guy, Hiora, because now we're at second base. So now we got a new batch of names to give you here. Let me see here. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, Tony Kemp, Luis Arias from the Minnesota Twins, uh, Luis Urias from the Milwaukee Brewer. And let's go with uh, let's go with John Birdie. Who do you want to talk about from that batch of players? Uh, Birdie doesn't play enough for us to talk about. Brendan Rogers, I'm you know pulling a who I won't get fooled again. Uh, let's go with Luis Arias, a guy that I have been high on you know for a long time now. Uh, just makes contact. Uh, somebody posted about him on Twitter yesterday, and they just said oh, the tweet was just Luis Arias is a pest. And just imagine being a, a pitcher and having to go up against him. And for someone who is as slappy as you would say, uh, he's only in the 13th percentile of barrel percentage, but he's actually above average in average exit velo. 
uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, has one of the highest expected batting averages in baseball at 302. It's the top 4% of the league. Uh, he does, unlike Keston Hura, he doesn't whiff at anything. He has uh, sub 12% whiff rates against everything fastballs, breaking balls, off speed, uh, 30% line drive hitter. Uh, he is him, Jeff McNeil, and Jake Cronenworth coming off player of the week. Uh, I think Jake Cronenworth gets a little bit more hype than guys like Luis Arias and Jeff McNeil, although I do think they're all very similar players. Cronenworth just kind of more consistently hits the ball harder. Um, so you see the, the big red sliders with Cronenworth, but I think they're all, uh, if you don't have Cronenworth, then get McNeil. If you don't have McNeil, then go get Luis Arias. Um, so definitely love Luis Arias. I've always liked him and he's doing what we thought he would. Obviously it's crazy that we look at his batting average this year at 291 and we're like, that's disappointing for Luis Arias. <laughs> and when in the shortened season, he had the highest, uh, probability of a batting 400 than any player in like 60 years. I, I remember we talked about that on the show going into last year, yeah. but um, yeah, it's, it, I still have them in my uh, TGFBI league. Uh, just plug him at middle infield and carry the batting average. Yeah. Uh, he's been playing regularly uh, since coming back from injury. It's a lot to like about uh, Luis Arias. And uh, the one thing that I, you know, he, you say that I would call him slappy, but unlike Nick Madrigal, he actually has an exit velocity over 90 miles an hour, uh, Luis Arias does. So. <laughs> yes, he like I said, he has a an above-average exit below. And for the month of June, uh, he's really turned it on since he came back. I believe he was kind of hurt at the end of May, beginning of June, I think it was. But uh, in June so far, batting 342, that's a Luis Arias batting average, 381 on base. And of his 13 hits in the 38 at-bats, he has five extra base hits, three triples, and two doubles. The three triples is kind of funny because he's actually not that fast. He's actually very slow footed kind of body style reminds me of the Mets, Luis Guillorme, you know, kind of short. And you would think with their body styles being middle infielders, they'd be fast, but man, they're just not fast. Uh, yeah, that's kind of surprising about him too. Uh, that's very surprising, but you know, he makes up for it in other assets or other aspects of the game, so to speak. I uh, wanted to point out that, yep, there it is. So unlike Nick Madrigal, Luis Arias actually sprays the ball all over the field, whereas Nick Madrigal can, most of the time, he goes up the middle or opposite field. Can't pull the ball to save his life, Nick Madrigal. That's why I don't believe I him. thought he had a lot, like a lot of his ground balls are to the pull side. I'd have to go. I'd have to go back and double check. Well, that's, but I feel like Nick Madrigal was always hitting ground balls, but so like the shortstop area of the field. Well, that's one of the problems. Is that he? Does, oh God, he's over fifty-five percent, fifty-eight percent for his career in ground ball rate, and most often than not, he'll go up the middle with it. That's why he's yeah. he's now before the injury, he started uh, hitting the ball with more authority. But now we'll, we won't know how his season would have ended be, uh, in terms of the bat because he did get hurt, unfortunately. So that's yeah, a damn shame, but uh, no, that's why I, I kind of like Luis Arise a little bit better. I, I think they are. Him, so. They're not. I mean, they kind of are similar, but it, it like I said, they all Cronenworth, McNeil, Arias, Madrigal. Uh, Madrigal probably falls to the bottom of that list just because the potential for power isn't as great as the other guys. But I, I think they're all kind of in that same category. Uh, and kind of weird thing about Arias, he has only been shifted on 10% of the time. But when they do shift on him, he's doing terrible. So uh, that's kind of interesting to take note. The very few times he's been shifted on in the past, he's killed it just because he has that great barrel control to go the other way and beat the shift. 
But um, 10% is the most he's ever been shifted on in his career so far. And when they do it, it's working. It's, uh, so kind of a, a potential pitfall there. But with his skill set, I don't think it'll hurt him too bad. Moving on to shortstop, there are a lot of names here. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm going to have to give you a lot more than the five that I've been giving you. So here we go. J.P. Crawford, Bobby Witt showing up at 52%. Uh, well, we're no, nah, not Luis Arias. We already talked. Well, you, you already bypassed him, so yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk about Luis Arias. <laughs> he had his chance. David Fletcher, we all know who David Fletcher is. Um, so that's not a good name. So, okay, it's JP Crawford, Bobby Witt, Willie Adamas, Paul DeYoung, or let's go with Nick Nico Horner. So, of that five, so I did stick with five. Who do you want to talk about? Oh, uh, Willie Adamas, I think, has to be that guy. Okay. Uh, and he, it just, he comes up and he's had always had moments of excellence in Tampa Bay, uh, above average walk rates, but really high strikeout rates that we really didn't see, uh, from him in the minors. I mean, they were always higher for minors, you know, low 20%, but it always just seemed like something was off. And Willie Adamas even talked about this, you know, at length during his time in Tampa. And he said, when he played at the trop, he just didn't pick up the ball. I, for whatever reason, he said he never picked up the ball. Uh, so guess what? Now he goes to uh, Milwaukee, and I'm trying to pull up his actual team splits this year. Um, and here we go. Uh, since going to Milwaukee, it, it, completely different player. 281, 356, slugging right under 500 for an 850 OPS. Uh, five home runs in the only uh, – he's played about 30 games so far. Uh, 16 extra base hits over those 35 games. Uh, he's a legit difference maker. And he always was, you know, one of those top prospects. And I think just now he's finally breaking out and people will probably be surprised to hear he's only 25. <laughs> he, it feels like he's been around for forever. He debuted at 22 in 2018. I felt like he debuted even before that, but uh, he's still only 25 years old. Uh, always showed pretty good eye at the plate, pretty good power. Um, and now he's in a hitter's ballpark. So yeah, I'm definitely all in on Willie Adamas. Probably going to be a guy I target a lot next year. Back in 2018, he was, according to fan graphs, he was the 11th best prospect in all of baseball. Yeah. So, he, he, he was, wow. you know, really, you know, huge prospect pedigree. He was, I believe the Rays number one prospect in 2018. It had he to be yeah. one, number one. Yeah. All right, let's let's go to oh boy. Okay, so CBS ha- because I'm in a, a left field, center field, right field league. They do have it split in that way. So I'm trying to not repeat for center field and right field, but I might not have a choice. I'm just gonna spit out names for you. You tell me who you want to talk about: Stephen Duggar or Duggar, Akil Badu, Tony Kemp again. In case you change your mind, Jonathan Daza, or let's go with. Let's go with, jeez, uh, the cover went dry really quick. How about just from those four names? Because we're, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, crossover here. I'll speak, I, I think I can pick two of them, and they can cover left field and center field. Go ahead. Okay, so we're going to go with left field, and it's the weirdest season I've seen so far from a rookie in a long time. And it, it's weird and not a very – he did awesome, he did terrible – he did awesome, but the things that made him do terrible are still somewhat plaguing him since he's been awesome. And that's a kill Badu in left field. Obviously, you know, he came up and he had like what the grand slam in his first plate appearance, second plate appearance, something crazy, home runs and back-to-back days, opening day. So far for the year, 
Uh, he got dropped after that first couple of weeks because he was just awful. Yeah. I mean, for the entire month of April, um, OPS uh, are batted 222 with the on base of 240. That's just not playable. Uh, and then in May, uh, the power kind of went away. The batting average creeped up a little bit. But a really interesting thing was um, from April, where he had two walks and 29 strikeouts, to May, he had 14 walks and only 17 strikeouts, which gave him a 431 on base. And he's only continued that more in June, where he has a one-to-one walkouts to strikes. He has 10 walks, 10 strikeouts. Uh, the batting average is at 351 uh, on base of 450, slugging 450. That's a 900 OPS. Obviously, I don't think he's a 350 hitter, uh, especially when you kind of look at his expected batting average, uh, average or average exit velocity. Uh, the line drive rate is good. He's keeping the ball off the ground, hitting it into the air a little bit more. And he has, you know, good speed. So it's just, will the walk rate hold? And he is just absolutely neutralized by left-handed pitching. Uh, so far, uh, versus righties, righties, he's a 304, 400, uh, 563 hitter. I mean, that's legitimate all-star against right-handed pitching. And against lefties, he bats 143 with a 242 on base with zero extra base hits to give him a 143 slug as well. That's just putrid. So he's one of the he, – hey, this is the first guy that we might actually agree on. He's a left-hander that is going to be platooned or should be platooned. And now you always avoid those guys. And I say, don't worry about it. They're going to do fine. Um, but this is a guy I don't think will do fine. Um, maybe not this year, maybe in the future, he kind of works on it. But uh, this is like Jock Peterson levels of platoon right here. Oof, oof, <laughs> oof, oof. Well, there's a few things going uh, Badu's way. I, 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 I crunched the numbers. And I ended up picking him up in the baseball life league just because I was kind of desperate for, um, well, I was desperate, right? Yeah. <laughs> for, for just a guy who can go out there and be a punch and Judy hitter for me and maybe steal some cheap bases for me because I don't have that on my team. So I'm all about that power. You, you, I, I know I'm all about the power because I'm leading all the categories on offense except for those two uh, <laughs> singles and stolen base net. And I killed by you, need some, he, you need some slappy guys then. Well, I killed by do is where he comes in. I mean, yeah, he's in a platoon with, uh, Probably a couple of guys that we're, we're probably going to talk about real soon. But there's, yeah, uh, since uh, he, the uh, first couple of months where he struggled somewhere around there, he's been picking up the pace lately and he's carrying a hot bat. Um, he's hitting with some little bit of power, not not something to write home about, but he's, you know, the Wobas and the uh, WRC pluses are up, up uh, compared to. So Roster people. Resource does have him in a platoon with Daz Cameron. Um, come, you know, who got promoted a couple weeks ago. So that does make sense. That's why I said, uh, that's why I said, uh, we were going to, Oh, you, oh, I'm sorry. Oh no. I read, I read your mind. It's okay. Daz Cameron wouldn't have been a name that I was going to pick anyway. <laughs> well, I, I got it. I'm going to, as I always like want to do, man, I'm going to throw you a couple of sliders and uh, I'm going to make your decision making a little bit tougher here, but no, I believe in a kill, but this is the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, uh if you don't think that he's going to be like some sort of like savior of some sorts, cause that, that's the biggest mistake that a lot of these uh, fantasy owners make is they, they pick up a guy like a kill, but do, Oh, he's 22 years old. He has some, a little bit of upside, but if you just take him for what he is, a guy who can uh, work, work the count. Um, Cause I believe he's a, at a one-to-one walk per strikeout ratio. Is that correct? Uh, he was in June for the total of the year. Um, 
I already moved on to Das Cameron. Uh, let me go back to Badu. I got uh, it. No, I got for, it. yeah, he's a thirty percent strikeout, twenty nine point three, uh, thirteen point six uh, walk percentage. Okay, but I feel so like that's that been month improving. of that month of April just really skews the entire thing because basically he has been one to one since the end of April. That's what I feel like. Okay, and and you know what? For a guy like that, a rookie left-handed, like you say, gets neutralized by left-handed hitters, uh, pitchers, I should say, you could do a lot worse. You could, you could do a hell of the, a lot. The worse. only thing that does worry me is he whiffs at least thirty-three percent of the time against all categories of pitching, both fastballs, breaking balls and off speed. Of course, I would like to go in and break that down how it is left-handed versus right-handed. And I'll have to do that. But um, yeah, that's the only thing that kind of worries me is the whiff rate that leads to, you know, strikeout issues. Yeah. According to plate discipline over at Fangrass, 14.2 swinging strike, but he's a very patient hitter. Uh, only 25% of uh, outside the zone stri- uh, swinging percentage. Yeah. And the contact could be higher than that, but but no, I mean, you got to account for the fact that he's still a young guy. Yeah, he's and... 22 rule five pick. Probably one of the better rule five picks because Tigers are obviously going to keep him. And yeah. to see where he might be in maybe two or three years, uh, Minnesota is probably going to be kicking themselves. <laughs> so just temper your expectations. Don't expect too much. Uh, you know, it's a cheap source of stolen bases and a cheap source of batting average at this point. If he continues to hit the way he's been hitting. All right, let's move on. Got it. So let's, let's recap some of the names that you skipped out on. And then I'll get, I got two more names for you. So just, be Osprey, I, I had a pick for, for center field as well. Cause I had both a Badu for, for left and he's played left and center, but this guy has played predominantly center for his team. All right. Well, we'll see if you stick with him, but we got I still got Steven Duggar, Tony Kemp, Jonathan Daza, and uh, let me go back to center field. Miles Straw, who's only owned in 39% of leagues. Oh, God, that, that makes it more difficult. That's uh, I told you. Or <laughs> Daz Cameron. Or Daz Cameron. So pick a, pick a guy. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about Daz Cameron, really. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Um, we'll see. How, I, I need a more larger sample size to kind of, you know, really analyze. Uh, but you made it tough because Steven Duggar was the guy that I initially picked. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can say a short just sentence on him because I really do want to talk about Miles Straw, but Steven Duggar having a great year so far, but walk rate is up. Strikeout rate is up. He is still the kind of same hitter that he's always been dead red crushing fastballs this year, batting over 460 against fastballs, batting under 140 or under 150 against breaking pitches and batting 059 against off speed. Both of those have whiff rates of 37 and 56%. Um, Line, he's getting the ball off the ground more. He has a career low ground ball percentage, career high fly ball and line drive, which is probably fueling some of this. But I think he's just one of those guys. He's not being shifted on enough this year, only being shifted on 30% of the time. And when he's not shifted on 475 Woba, and when he is shifted 273. It drops 200 points, and this is a guy that is pulling the ball uh, over a third of the time and going up the middle 40% of the time. And I think that what when we talk about the shift, we're saying, oh, they're taking away that pull side, you know, to lefties, you know, between first and second base. But I think what we are seeing more of when teams shift, they're not trying to take away that first second base gap. They're trying to take away behind second base of hitters going up the middle. And if they start shifting more on Steven Duggar, he is going to be a dead duck. But right. th- that's, yeah, hey, that was a good sound effect. We need a sound bar. 
Uh, I'm my own. I'm like the Michael Winslow of this podcast. I'm telling you, man. Uh, it's a funny story about how I started doing that. Uh, we were uh, we were going to a Blackhawks game, Chicago Blackhawks, and uh, with my coworkers, and uh, they were facing the Anaheim Ducks. And I had this one girl. Um, every time she said "duck," I would quack like a duck, <laughs> and it just stuck. So every time I hear the word "duck," it has to be organic, though. You you can't just say "duck" in front of my face. And I, wait, I, I, so if 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 you're at a baseball game. And you're not paying attention for a split second and a foul ball starts coming your way and somebody yells duck. Are you telling me you're going to go quack instead of like ducking? Yeah. Oh yeah. God, that'd be hilarious. Quack, And then just get nailed by the ball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause in a split, it takes a split second to actually react to, uh, <laughs> to actually doing the verve and not, not the quacking sound effect. Uh... Uh, one of I wanted to point out about Steven Duggar is that uh, I don't like the Giants situation in the outfield. They got like 20 million outfielders. I think they're the, they like him the most. I think they like uh, him over Talkman. And uh, I think left field is still Dickerson and Slater platoon. So, but Duggar is also listed as a platoon according to roster resource. He's played every other game according to roster resource. Who's he platooning He's, with? Probably Maurice Mike Talkman. Oh, Dubon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he gets, yeah, he's playing every other day at this point. And Ironically, getting... Duggar this year is good against lefties batting 370 with an on base of 526 walks to eight strikeouts, uh, OPS over a thousand. Uh, that's kind of interesting little tidbit. He's always sucked against them. So I guess we'll see. And as I wanted to point out that Duggar has been sitting against left-handed pitchers and over there on the West coast with, like, especially against the Dodgers, there's a lot of, uh, uh, left-handed pitchers from that uh, rotation alone. So um, if we go back to his rookie year, he actually did better against left-handed pitching in 2018. So um, the Giants. And, and that was over, you know, 40, almost 50 plate appearances. Not a whole, that's not a lot, but he batted 300 over or 330, uh, 370 on base, 476 slug. And that's not terrible. And then he, you know, struggled 19 and 20 and very, you know, kind of limited uh, appearances. But uh, 2021 seems like a breakout, but it just seems like a, a profile that could be easily defeated with other teams preparing for him yep. more. Like I said, someone tell the giants if that's the case, but obviously the giants think otherwise, because like I said, they have like 20 million outfielders. Yeah. Uh, Miles straw, right. You want to talk about Miles? Yeah, straw? I, I love Miles straw. And no, he, do. he, he started off so slow. Um, sub five fifty OPS in April. Uh, he did have the five stolen bases and then he started kind of showing some signs of life in May, uh, got was batting 260, uh, but then only had one stolen base to three caught stealing, which blows my mind that any catcher could catch him because he is just stupid fast. <laughs> but finally, in the month of June, batting 340 on base of over, over 400 uh, with a 450 slugging. And I don't think he's a true 450 slug guy, but I do think that he could be a 300 hitter with a around 380 on base. And if we talk 380 on base with, you know, his speed, which is in the 96 percentile, I believe it's right under 30 feet per second. And he, he's just insanely fast. He plays great defense and he's in a great lineup. Uh, that is perfect recipe for, you know, awesome production. Uh, he's not going to be one to hit ball hard, but he doesn't chase. He doesn't whiff. He has a pretty good walk rate of 10% this year, sub 20% strikeout rate. I, I really like Miles Straw, and he is turning it around. Uh, if he is somehow available in your league, he got dropped in my TGFBI league back in May, and I put in a bid for him. It was an aggressive bid, too. It was like 200 Um, And he went for, I think, like 
280, 300, something like that. It was, it was high. And that's somebody gave up on him and somebody else recognized that, hey, this could be a talent that with his stolen bases, you just can't get, you know, from the waiver wire. Um, but if Miles Straw is available, available in your league, guess what? You can. So take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, over the last 14 days, uh, I, I got both Akil Badu and Miles Straw up for the 14 days, and Badu's just been crushing it. Go pick, stop listening to the podcast and go pick up Akil Badu right now. But Miles Straw, uh, you mentioned the speed factor. Unlike, you know, unlike Badu, Straw hasn't been caught yet over the last 14 days uh, for stolen bases. And you mentioned that Straw doesn't hit the ball hard, but he has been the last 14 days. 90.7 miles an hour exit velocity, hmm. 42.1 hard hit rate. That's the stack has uh, hard hit rate, not the Fangraphs one. The 42.1% hard hit rate according to uh, StatCast. And just like Badu, super patient, incredibly patient. Yeah. And he actually makes more, a lot more contact than Badu. Yeah, Miles so. My- Shaw makes a lot of contact. He does not whiff. He's almost in that category of, you know, the Nick Madrigals and the uh, players like that in terms of just making pure contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you add in with Straw the fact that he, he doesn't really chase, it, he's, you know, he fields well, so he, they're, they're, they're not going to take him out of the lineup. Um, really solid player. And th- this is stuff that he showed in the minors. He was a 300 hitter in the minors. Um, he walked a lot. He didn't strike out a lot. He stole a lot of bases. And he just he never hit for power. He had four career home runs in the minors. I think he already has two this year, which is kind of insane. But um, the last 14 days, too. Yeah. And it's just one of those. He's finally breaking out. But speaking of like those home runs, he had no home runs in the minors. Uh, the Mets posted or the Mets farm report that uh, Jake Mangum, who they picked out of Mississippi State two years ago in the draft uh, as a college senior after to accommodate drafting Matt Allen in the third um, in a thousand and eighty seven plate appearances in college with metal bats. Jake Mangum hit five home runs and over his last hundred and forty five something plate appearances in double A. He has five home runs wow. and it's uh, one of those very like interesting. He was a, the definition of a slappy hitter in college. He led holds the sec record for most career hits. Um, and then now he, he's finally developing some power. And a lot of his former teammates are saying that he really took that off season to add some power, add some strength and he's getting to show it. So uh, thought that was funny in terms of you go, how many at bats without hitting a home run or with only a few home runs. And then, Oh, you're playing at the highest level of your career and you've already doubled it. <laughs> I want to uh, do a quick shout out to a couple of guys, uh, Carlos Borges or Borges, I guess that's, I'm butchering his name, Carlos Borges, uh, tuning in right now. So thank you for joining us. Ricky Velasquez says that about the whole duck thing, uh, we will have to try <laughs> that theory out next month. Uh, first of all, where the hell are the tickets? It's we're a month. We're less than a month away and I get nervous because there are no tickets under our names. So uh, I'm like the worst person you can hang out with because I'm always like, where are the tickets? Why? I'm like, like I said, even on, on, on stupid little uh, independent rock shows, punk rock shows that I like to go to, I always hated to go with my friends because they're like, oh, we'll just pick them up at the door. Like, no, I want them now. <laughs> oh, we're that, two months away. I don't care. I want the tickets now. I'm going to go buy them without you. That's like my dad because this yeah. – when we went to the Mets Braves game in May, I think that was the first time that we had ever gone and he hadn't printed out like the tickets from StubHub. Mm-hmm. And because they're just doing the only, you know, MLB um, ballpark app t- tickets on, on your phone. And um, 
I, I thought I was so worried that he was going to stress out about that. And I was like, dad, just send them to me. I, I have the app on my phone. He's not, I'm going I'm to figure it out. And we got there and it wasn't an issue at all. And I was like, why was I freaking out about that? But oh, he, he was always one of those people. He had the tickets printed out like within minutes of buying them. And then they were on a little piece of printer paper and he would just like fold them <laughs> up and like put them in a really safe spot. Yeah, he was the same way. I was just thinking about that, how I don't print out tickets anymore because all it's on your apps. It's on your phones, on your smartphones. I'm going to sound like a boomer here, but I used to take my, no, seriously, I used to take the tickets, especially the ones like the, the little Ticketmaster ones, like the yeah. ones that are maybe this big and the little stubs. I used to, and I have a, a, a plastic drawer case that I used to like put tape on and I just start sticking them up against it. Uh, of all the shows I've been to, all the movie theaters, uh, I've been to all the uh, baseball games I've been to. And uh, basketball too, and and I was like, everything's digital, and it's like now I got nothing. I my my, yeah, there's still some bare spots I can't cover because I haven't been printing tickets lately. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's our little baseball break from baseball. Let's move on. Okay, I got one more for you. All right, you tell In the me. Outfield. Oh goodness. Uh, yeah, Tony Kemp, Daz Cameron. I do apologize for the screaming baby. I do apologize. It's okay. One. I hear Penny. It's okay, Penny. Sing Stop us the Penny. song. Sing us the song of your people. <laughs> Golly, <laughs> someone give her some milk. She needs some milk. Okay. Milk was Tony, a bad choice. <laughs> Tony, Tony Kemp, Jonathan Daza, Daz Cameron. Uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Or Hunter Renfro. I don't know. Pick one. Um, oh, Gregory Polanco. Gregory Polanco. Oh, yeah, one. we're definitely not talking about Gregory Polanco. <laughs> I guess I'll go with Tony Kemp, who you're just going to hate, you know, first percentile and average exit velocity. Uh, but I'm going to talk about him because he walks more than he strikes out this year. He actually did it last year as well. Um, but he's just that wait, Tony Kemp's only 29 years old. I know. Right. I would have <laughs> thought he was like 37. Well, I thought him Sean. and Denard, I thought him and Denard span were the same age. Sean, it's like, I always tell you, man, just add two years to that age. Cause that's, that's the new baseball age. He's 31 years in real baseball age. <laughs> That's that's why it feels like he's been around forever because he's really 31 years old nowadays. But no, you're right. He's 29 only. But yeah, wow, he's... that that blows my mind. I thought he was like old, old, old veteran that's just barely hanging on. Um, but no, uh, doesn't strike out. Walks a good bit. He's kind of the mile straw, but left-handed and not as fast. Yeah. Um, which surprisingly, I would have expected someone of his uh, diminutive nature. Um, but he's only in the 42nd percentile in sprint speed. Uh, he's never been above 27 and a half feet per second, which is so he's shocking. not really Miles Straw. He, he sounds yeah, more he, like, I like Lu- I, I, he sounds more like Luis Arias. Yeah, um, doesn't <laughs> hit the ball as well as Luis Arias. I don't think right, he swings right. as much as Luis Arias. I uh, swing rate. Um, I'll look it up. Go ahead, keep talking about yeah, only a 41% swing rate for him. Um, but he's just he's an Oakland A's guy. I mean, he's someone that they took, they found, you know. Hey, this guy's been undervalued his entire career. Boom, plug him into the lineup, and he's producing this year. Uh, he's, I think, batting leadoff for first or second. Him and Matt Olson have been at the top of that lineup, yeah. Roster resource as him as leadoff. Matt Chapman, who is having a bit of a revival in the month of June 2nd, and Matt Olson, who is having a career year at third. So, yeah, Tony Kemp, if uh, he's available and you're in need of runs or it's an OBP league, then, yeah, he – one, he should already be rostered, but if he's not, then go get him. So, yeah, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it for all my leagues, and I decided to go with a kill Badu. Uh, okay, so I got Badu, Camp, Arias, and Straw. 
uh, Arias has the highest swinging percentage of this four of the uh, of yeah. this group of four. Yeah, Arias swings. He he's a swinger. <laughs> well, not kinda... not that not that type of swinger. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And it's still not that high though. Forty three point six percent is not that high. And even the outside the zone strike zone uh, swinging percentage, I have to say, outside the zone swing strike swinging percentage. Is only at 29.7, which is still below 30%, and that's still kind of patient. Uh, and all these guys, except for Badu, are over 90% over the last 14 days. These, these are all over the last 14 days, by the way. Sorry about yep. that. Uh, so, yeah, high contact, very patient hitters, and they're hitting the ball with authority. So go pick them up. Stop talking to us. Go pick them up. We're giving you all the answers. Guys. Uh, he was already he's already picked up in our league three days ago. Um, See, if they're listening <laughs> to us, they already, they already they're getting smarter. For everybody they else, don't. They don't even have to listen. Listen, listen to us now. They're they already know what we're going to talk about, and they're way ahead of us. For everybody else, he's only owning nineteen percent of leagues. Go wow. get him! Wow, uh, that's that's Tony Kemp, by the way. In case there's confusion there, how would he only be raw? That's insane to me. That's yeah. kind of insane to me. Well, they don't believe in him. They think he's <sighs> just a, a short term solution, and it's just Tony Kemp, who's thirty one years old. Really, he's twenty nine, but he's thirty one. <laughs> I got one more for you. Let's do designated hitter. Uh, so these are all the names that we did that you did, that you did not pick. So let's go uh, the first five people that I see. I got Abraham Toro Hernandez of the Astros, Brendan Rogers, Hunter Renfro, Daz Cameron again, or uh, JP Crawford. I almost just cut you off from the very beginning because I was like, once you said Abraham Toro, uh-huh. I was like, you just don't need to say anything else. Um, he got off to a really hot start. Well, when he got promoted after Alex Bregman went down and Oladimus Diaz was down, he hasn't had a hit uh, in his last three games, so dating back to June 23rd. But Abraham Toro, a lot of people are going to have absolutely no clue who this guy is, but you need to because he is very much like a lot of the guys that we've talked about today. Solid plate approach, walks a lot, has pretty good barrel control, and in the minors, he just put up some of the stupidest numbers you've ever heard. In 2019, uh, he had, let me pull it up. He played in 114 games and posted a 324, 411, 527 slash line. And that was, I believe, split between double A and triple A, but mainly in double A. Um, he and then is doing the same thing this year, um, just tearing up double A or triple uh, A. And now he's going to have a chance uh, for a pretty good period of time because Bregman, I think they said he tore his hamstring or tore something. So, yeah, it's a pretty severe strain. So Abraham Toro is going to get a crack at it. And I think he is – I think he's legit. He just needs a run of playing time. He's still only 24 years old. So, yeah, as a prospective ad, I would add Toro. I don't think I'd immediately start him yet. But yeah, he's someone that I definitely will hold on to. Well, one thing that is uh, going against him is that he is uh, the most impatient hitter that we've mentioned so far. 35.7% outside the zone swinging percentage. Uh, he actually does swing the bat a lot overall, 48.8% swing percentage this year. So he's on the aggressive side. But the one thing that he kind of stands out, uh, even with that aggressive approach, is that he does make a lot of contact, 80.6% contact rate this year, and only swinging strike percentage of 9.5. So he keeps it below 10%. So there's a lot to like with Abraham Toro, uh, along with the playing time, like you mentioned, plays with a really good team in the Houston Astros. So, uh, yeah. yeah when he when he debuted in 2019, uh, he didn't do great, you know, 688 OPS. 
uh, but he had nine walks, 19 strikeouts. It's pretty good for like a 20. He would have been 22 years old, 21 years old at the time. Uh, in 2020, he really struggled. He, I think he's ended up starting at the beginning of the year, or at the end of the year. I uh, can't remember exactly what it was and just wasn't ready for it. But, you know, it was 2020. A lot of people had weird seasons. Uh, and then this year, he's five walks to eight strikeouts. So while you said he does, you know, swing a lot, he does make a lot of contact. I think he has that inner and he, his chase rate is a little bit higher this year than you would probably like, but he still draws walks. And I just think that somewhere buried inside, once he gets to maybe like 500 plate appearances for his career, uh, he's only at 238 now and he's got a 600 OPS. But I think deep down, there's a good player here. And at worst, he's Jonathan VR with a little less speed. I mean, like, like seriously, I, I think that's probably at best Eduardo Escobar with more batting average, less chase. Um, at worst, VR without the stolen bases. Good stuff. Uh, that's the hitters. Uh, unfortunately, because I play in a pitchers only league, so it's not split into starting pitchers and relief pitchers. It's CBS is just here's all the pitchers, pick one. So let's do. We're not over, we're not by, we're not uh, at the hour mark yet, which is really amazing because I feel like we've been at it for like 90 minutes already. But yeah, I was say we got uh, about 15 minutes. Yeah, this is a, a pace of play uh, that the man for Rob Manfred wants to see here. Yeah, we, uh, he, he sent us an email. Baseball said, you gotta, yeah. gotta pe- step it up. And even when I end, mm-hmm. when we end the podcast tonight, I'm going to walk out of my room and I'm going to get frisked. I mean, they're going to check my hat. They're going to check, you know, my belt line. So, um, yeah, we have to follow the rules here, too. Oh, my God. When you say R.I.P. Hector Santiago. When you say I'm going to get a frisk, I'm like, oh, boy, can you just don't, <laughs> don't share your sex life with us. Come on, guys. No, I mean, the, the belt line and the hat all got to get checked. Um, maybe they might rub their hands through my hair like uh, they did okay, with Matt stop, Scherzer. Stop. <laughs> You're arousing the audience. Stop it. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna start from the bottom up. Uh, these are guys who have only seen a two percent cha- uh, change in their ownership rate. So I don't want to talk to. Uh, I'll uh, go into too much in depth, but I'm just gonna ask you specific questions about specific pitchers, and I'm just gonna tell you up or down, basically, okay. unless I say otherwise. Hunter Green. We'll start with him. He's at 25 percent ownership rate. Uh, good in dynasty leagues or even in keeper leagues. Yeah. Uh, yes. But I don't think he's going to help too much in 21. Even if he does, they're going to be really careful with him coming off Tommy John surgery. He what They have a lot year? invested. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, next year, he probably throws like 120 innings. Uh, they're just going to – they have so much invested in him. He is such a weapon on the mound. Uh, finally got the promotion up to AAA. Um, 14 strikeouts over his first two appearances. Uh, he's only given up four runs, and they all came on solo shots in his debut of AAA. He's he's something special. He really is. All right. Uh, actually, we I do have enough pitchers to go with the five batch here. Uh, Merrill Kelly, David Peterson, Kendall Graveman, uh, Ross Stripling, or Richard Rodriguez. Uh, I'm going to go homer pick here. I'm going to go with David Peterson. Okay. The ERA is pretty misleading. It's what I think at about four, nine now. Uh, he had a really terrible three game stretch where he couldn't get out of the first, second inning and he gave up four, five, six runs. So anytime you have those outings like that, you get a little worried and you look at his numbers and he's basically earned everything that's happened to him this year. Expected ERA over five, gives up some pretty much hard contact. And I do think that there's been a huge change in how he pitches this year. And 
I, I don't like it, and I don't know what the pitching development team uh, with the Mets, Jeremy Accardo, uh, Jeremy Hefner, uh, exactly what they're going for here. But he was always known as a sinker slider guy in the minors. Big guy, had pretty good control. Uh, his strikeouts are up and his walks are down. That's about it in terms of you know improvements over last year. But in 2020, and I, I shared this tweet a lot last year, that, you know, like I said, he was a sinker slider pitch to contact guy. Um, you know, everyone gave the, the Mark Burley comp because big bodied lefty didn't throw too hard. But when he came up in 2020, he only threw a sinker 15% of the time. And he had one of the best four seam slider combos in terms of results. Uh, he was up there with guys like Trevor Bauer in terms of how good their fastball slider combos were. Uh, this year, his most thrown pitch is a sinker. And like a lot of sinkers, it's getting crushed. He's given up eight extra base hits on it. Uh, they're batting 253. Uh, he's actually lucky in terms of the sinker. They should be batting 300 with a 450 slug. And the, the four seam is still great. They're batting 189 against it, but it's no longer his primary pitch. Now, we go to the slider, which was another great pitch for him last year. He's really struggled with it. It's been up and down. He'll throw one great one, and then he'll throw two mediocre ones, and then he'll throw three bad ones. And he just seems the control is off on it this year. But the basis for him of that four-seam slider guy is still there. I don't know what they're doing with the sinker. It So I like him. His last three starts, he has like a 1.8 ERA coming off three really bad starts. Um, but yeah, I like him. I think they're going to be a guy that the Mets lean heavily on and I wouldn't be too discouraged by some of the production we've seen so far. Uh, David Peterson is set to start, uh, this Wednesday against the Braves. Uh, he's facing Drew Smiley. There's a good chance that he might, uh, get two starts next week. Uh, do you think he'll get to this two starts or will they bypass him on one of those starts next week? The, the Mets, have a this upcoming week you mean or the yeah, week after he's, he's pitching on a Wednesday so that usually means that he's gonna pitch on Monday and Saturday next week but I don't know what the Mets the, the Mets have a really is. weird um pitching schedule Marcus Stroman's being pushed back a couple of days uh he's on the bereavement list now uh Taiwan Walker's being pushed back two days so they're both gonna pitch against the Yankees I think David Peterson is pitching once against uh, is he pitching on Wednesday against the Braves you said yeah, uh, so it's him David and Peterson. him and Degrom and uh, the rookie McGill. I I'm not sure exactly what they plan to do. I think they're coming off this really weird stretch of a lot of doubleheaders, uh, so they needed the arms. So going forward, we'll see who gets skipped and whatnot because they will have some more off days next week. All righty, so maybe don't pick them up too too quickly if you're expecting two starts from david peterson but like i said that's usually the case if you're pitching on a wednesday you're more than likely pitching twice next uh the following week but okay uh chris sale is at 81 percent, so that's not the threshold that i'm looking for but he's expected to be coming back soon yeah he's thrown a couple of simulated games uh kevin plowecki put up he's also on the injured list rehabbing um i guess he was the one who caught it and he said he looked nasty um, I mean, Chris Sale, honestly, to me, I think could throw 90 miles an hour and be effective with his extension and the slider, especially if he just threw the slider as his primary pitch. But um, he's one of those guys I drafted in the Baseball Life League late, very, very late. I drafted him and Luis Severino, who 
I haven't been as lucky with. But Chris Sale, everyone laughed at me. They said, oh, Sean, you didn't draft an ace. You're, you didn't draft a pitcher for the first seven rounds. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, Chris Sale was, you know, my ace in the hole. And here he is. He hasn't had any setbacks. Knock on wood. Um, and my pitching has kept me afloat. My pitching's actually done very well this year. So uh, suck it, guys. <laughs> All righty. Uh, I got a batch of four guys who are not owned. Actually, five now. Five guys who are not owned above 10%. You tell me who you want to talk about. Elijah Morgan, Michael King of the Yankees. First of all, Morgan is with the Cleveland Cleveland team. Indians, yeah. Uh, Colin McHugh of the Rays, Jose Cisnero of the Tigers, or Tyler McGill of the Mets? Uh, oh, that, that's close. Uh, I think both McHugh and McGill are very interesting. McHugh is kind of an oddball, though. He has gotten some bulk relief outings, but they haven't been where they give an opener and then they put him in. He's been like their, oh, shit, our plan for today is has gone tits up it's not working give the ball to colin McHugh, and he is just if you look at his savant sliders this year it's uh-huh. it's freaking amazing he's 34 years old having pro- likely the best year of his career mm-hmm. uh he was really good in 2018 as well but that was over that was with houston and he was a full-time reliever and this year he's started a few games as the opener but it's just it's hard to draft him in a traditional league where it's only, you know, wins, strikeouts. He's a little bit harder to roster there. But in, if you're in a non-traditional league, then definitely go after him. Oh, I did. All right. Yeah, I, I have him. in. I got him in the 30 team league from Andrew O'Sullivan, baseball life member and friend of the show. Um, I got Colin McHugh and Giancarlo Stanton. For your mean Mercedes, Tanner Scott, and somebody else. I made out like a freaking bandit. Because oh, you're uh, s- since then, your mean Mercedes is batting like 208. I mean, Stanton hasn't really done much for me either. The the most valuable player in that trade since it happened has been Colin McHugh. And that's my daily league. He's a has starting pitcher eligibility. So I just plug him in there and I get all of his points for the week, essentially. I, I never have to take him out because you know, you just put in one or two starters a day. And uh He's been awesome. Tyler McGill recently called up, probably going to get sent back down here uh, at the end of the week, At like we talked about with David Peterson, in terms of somebody's going to get cut. He had a, only one start, went four and a third. His expected ERA in that game was actually 1.9, but ERA at the end was 4.1. Has really good fastball, has great extension. He's six foot seven, six foot eight. His brother, Trevor McGill, is a relief pitcher on the Cubs that you maybe have heard of. He's also a very large man. I would like to know who in that family has the crazy genes. But uh, Tyler McGill, really good fastball, really good slider. He's working on a changeup, and his changeup actually looked really good in that first start. They were all located very well at the bottom of the zone. Worst case scenario, he's like a devastating two-pitch pitcher that with a high 90s fastball and a just break breakout slider. But um, somebody to keep an eye on. The Mets have had a lot of pitching injuries, and they thought they were going to have more depth than they actually do. So Tyler McGill gets the call, and uh, if he continues to get the call, then he's valuable, but he could very as well you know, end up in AAA for the rest of the year. 
Oh boy. Uh, I was just going to say Colin McHugh. Uh, yeah. He's been a godsend for my uh, uh, baseball life, fantasy baseball league. As all of a sudden I look around and all the pitchers that I was counting on to be there in support of Lucas Giolito, Kevin Gossman and Joe Musgrove. Uh, they're all gone. I don't know what that one happened. <laughs> they're all gone. I cut them or I had to make room for uh, for other players. or uh, And then I see Colin McHugh. Nobody wants him. I take him, and he's just solidified my entire pitching staff. Like you said, he he qualifies as starting pitcher. Um, and he's he's and when he pitches, he's pitching like multiple. Yeah, he, yeah, he's getting two or three innings, like it's great in each appearance, and he gets usually two to three appearances a week. So in the end, like you do get kind of a starters type, you know, length out of them in terms of innings. It, it's just in a very traditional league, it's hard to, you know, really use them. And even in our league where we count for holds, he's not getting any holds. But yeah, because he does. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. And I think he only has a few wins, maybe five or six, which isn't a a few. But I don't think he's gotten that many wins either. Yeah, but the threat's always there. He can just vulture the wins like Jerome Bettis used to vulture touchdowns for the Steelers back in the day in fantasy football. (laughs) Colin Uh, McHugh is the 21st century Phil Regan. <laughs> well, no, Phil. Well, hold on now. Phil Regan was getting the saves. You know, that's. I mean, the the, the no, was... no. He 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 got the the wins. He got the wins. He would come oh. in for like one inning uh, after Koufax, and they would score a run, and then he would get the win. All right, I know that uh, Jerome Holtzman coined the term save, and he actually created the statistic to save because of Phil Regan huh. uh, when he was the Cubs, heard. I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's where it started in the late 60s, and you know, this Phil Regan guy's pretty good. He, every time he goes in the ninth inning, he just shuts the door on the other team, so yeah, so get credit for that. McHugh only has two wins, and he has no saves, and Savant doesn't have the holds up here, so I don't know how many he holds like he has. Two holds or something. Yeah, it, he's been so valuable to their team, but in a lot of the categories that are valuable to fantasy, it's like, pff, screw you. It's all right, man. Low whip, <laughs> low strikeout per walk, low ERA. In a points yeah. league, points league, yeah, definitely go get him because no, you're going to get your production. <laughs> well, I got him in this uh, wacky league of ours, and he's been wonderful for me. Um, and then the other thing that I like about him is uh, for a relief pitcher, he gets a lot of strikeouts. Just a gargantuan amount of strikeouts for a relief because he pitches multiple innings. So yeah, I mean, when he was in Houston, he did have you know a great year as a reliever. And when you're great in Houston, you're likely going to be even better in Tampa. Those are just like Tampa, Houston, and Cleveland. When it comes to just <laughs> developing pitchers, yeah, um, they are on to something. Yep. All right, let's keep going here. I got uh, I got two pitchers that are they should be well known. Shane McClanahan or John Gray, pick one. Oh, um, I think I'd go McClanahan. Okay. Uh, John Gray is likely to be traded, and in a weird turn of events, it's after his or it's now his uh, best year um, at Coors Field. I think he has like a ERA two or three runs lower at Coors compared to the rest of the year. I'd have to go back and double check, but that that's how it was a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, Shane McClanahan has elite stuff from the left-handed side. Uh, he's kind of like Garrett Crochet, except Tampa's taking, they're just letting him run with it instead of kind of hiding him in the bullpen. Gets a lot of whiffs, a lot of chase, high velocity fastball, throw strikes. I Yeah, I'm picking Shane McClanahan just in terms of total upside and total skill. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what John Gray does if he does get traded to a more pitcher-friendly park. But uh, yeah, Shane McClanahan's going to be my pick there. I had him for uh, a little bit, and then 
I cut him, and now I'm wondering if I if that was the right move to make. But uh, I saw him; he was tearing up low A, and he got promoted to double A at the end of 2019. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Everyone in the booth was raving about his fastball, and they're like, he throws 99, 100 miles an hour. But it was like his first extended season where he pitched every month, and he got up to Montgomery. And in his first start, he gave up like six earned runs. The fastball is like sitting 94, 95. And I'm like, this sucks. I was so excited to see him dominate like Brendan McKay had at the beginning of the year. And it just did not happen. Uh, yeah, McClanahan still owned it in 68% of leagues, according to CBS. So he okay, might so be available still. I, so. I, I was right about Gray. Those stats still hold. At home at Coors Field, he has a 3.2 ERA and all four of his wins. On the road, he has zero wins, four losses, and an ERA over five. And he's about to get traded. So Colorado finally has a pitcher that is, you know, uh, figured out Coors Field, or at least that's what it looks like. And he's about to get the boot because he's a pending free agent, I believe. That's why they drafted him. Um, what, the second pick overall? They drafted him yep. a hard-throwing right-hander out of Oklahoma because that's how they envisioned him. And it didn't pan out that way. Can you imagine the Rockies if they would have gone after um, – no, wait, it's the other way around, right? Uh, I think Chris Bryant got picked ahead of John Gray. Is that how it happened? Uh, 2013 draft. I thought Bryant was 14. I'll look up the 2013 draft. You keep going. All right. Uh, Tony Santillan, I want to mention him because I remember that's a quick story about Tony Santillan of the Cincinnati Reds. What you got over there? Uh, that was uh, Mark Appel. And then Chris Bryant, then John Gray. So it was, you know, you were right. That was the 2013 draft. Okay. Cause uh, a lot of, I remember Cubs fans were pretty pissed off that the Cubs went with another hitter thinking that they needed a starting pitcher like John Gray and John Gray seemed to fit all the boxes. But can you imagine if they would have done the reverse? What an interesting picked... top 15 picks that draft. Uh, 2013. Yeah. Uh, it was but... either like guys that have stuck in the majors mm-hmm. or never touched anything. In the majors, like never got out of the minors. You mean like Mark Appel? Mark Appel, uh, Cole Stewart, who I think is pitching for the Cubs now. Um, But he spent a long time in the minors and he's not really good. Uh, Clint Frazier, Colin Moran, Trey Ball, a guy I've never even heard of, was drafted seventh by the Red Sox. Hunter Dozier has struggled this year, but top prospect has done well for Kansas City. Austin Meadows, nine. Phil Bickford, I don't think he was actually, yeah, he didn't sign, but he's a relief pitcher for the Dodgers now. Uh, Dominic Smith has done well hey. for the Mets. Uh, DJ Peterson, I don't think he Ooh. did anything. Uh, Boy, Hunter, Hunter Renfro, uh, 13, a, guy, a name that's been mentioned once or twice on the show already. What, the name Hunter? No, Renfro. Hunter Renfro. No, I'm just joking. Oh, oh, okay. Hunter Dozier, Hunter Renfro. And then 14, Reese McGuire has been a, a steady, you know, part-time catcher in the big leagues for better part of three years now. And then Very Braden, handy. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then Braden Shipley. Uh, who I hey. think he, he appeared in like one or two seasons and that was it. Um, followed by JP Crawford and Tim Anderson, two shortstops that are starting to this day on their team that did not well drafted no, yeah. by uh Anderson's playing for the team that draft from JP Crawford yeah. is not. Yeah, Crawford drafted by the Phillies, I believe. Yep, he was part of the Cliff what, trade. I don't know. I, I that doesn't Cliff Lee was Texas. Um, all right. Oh, uh, Carlos Santana, Gene Segura, deal. Boom. Ah, okay. Well, the point I was trying to make was imagine <laughs> the Cubs getting John Gray because they think that he's the ace of their future and the Rockies end up with uh, Chris Bryant. And can you just imagine Chris Bryant just demolishing baseballs in Colorado? And Oh, with, what- those, with those below average batted ball metrics, 
but with all the air to compensate for it, he would basically be uh, wait for it, Nolan Arenado. <laughs> hey, hey, people swear people love uh, Nolan Arenado. People love Nolan Arenado so much uh, that they have him as their best third baseman of all time. Uh, some ooh, people do. Mm, no, some people. I'm not gonna mm, mention those people who they are exactly, but you you know who those people are. <laughs> anyway, you, you know who you are. People that believe that. Nolan Arenado being the greatest third baseman who ever lived just because they watched a couple of seconds of ESPN highlights and shit. <laughs> Tony Santillan, uh, this is a funny story here. Uh, one of our very first episodes that we did here live on uh, Baseball Life Group, uh, Vince Mercandetti over at the Dong City uh, podcast, he asked us what we thought about Tony Santillan, the Cincinnati. Right? I do not recollect this at all. Well, here's here's my embarrassing moment. I honestly thought he was talking about Antonio Sensatella of the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> I had no idea who the hell Tony Santillan was. It wasn't until like a day or two after that I realized, oh crap, he was talking about the Reds pitcher, not the Rockies pitcher. And but now we're gonna redeem ourselves. We're gonna talk about the actual Tony Santillan. Um, he's been on the radar for the Reds uh, uh, farm for a while now. Is it time to start putting our stock, all our monies, on Tony Santillan to save our our season this year? Well, I wouldn't say yes. Uh, he's gotten a little lucky. He has a 3.2 ERA through his first um, – how many starts has he made? Three. Think, uh, yeah. But he has an actual ERA of three and a third. So the fastball is just not quality. Actually, he, another guy that I saw pitch in AA in 2019, um, they are the – what was the Chattanooga Lookouts? Is I think they're AA team. Uh, yeah, Chattanooga. Um <laughs> <laughs> they played a very chippy series with Montgomery. Like they had four ejections in one, one series. It was wild. Um, a fan got ejected. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> and, but like when you looked at him, he had a four and a half ERA or something like that. He didn't really light up the radar gun. Uh, he had a pretty good breaking ball, but he could never get to it. And that's kind of seems to be the same situation here is he's got a very hittable fastball only throws it about, uh, 93, 94, which we say that, but it's like slow, kind of, kind of slow for, you know, today's game. Yeah. Um, got a really good slider though. He's throwing it 42% of the time, a 50% whiff rate over those first three starts. So he's got a great breaking ball. Uh, he's a fly ball pitcher, which fly ball pitcher in Cincinnati kind of worries me. Um, yeah. it's an interesting player. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a good player, but it's sure as hell an interesting player. I'm going to pass. Like maybe he might be a reliever. He that Reds bullpen has just been god awful. So maybe he goes to the bullpen, fastball goes up 96, 97 and he can still use that slider, just get rid of the changeup. You don't need it anyway. But it's uh, ironic because uh, at the beginning of the year we were so hopeful of the uh, Cincinnati Reds bullpen. They had so probably, many pieces. Yeah, uh, and- TJ Antone's out for uh, at least till the All-Star break. Uh he had a, a for uh, MRI forearm strain, he mm-hmm. came back, pitched two games, went back on the aisle with the same injury. They said they're just going to wait it out. Lucas Sims is out. Amir Garrett has been terrible. Um, Sean Doolittle, uh, his name Doing says little. it all. Yeah, his name says it all. He does little. Uh, little. Suddenly, Brad Brock is like getting saves for them after starting the year in Kansas City he, and being DFA'd from them. Their bullpen does, makes no sense. Brad Brock does show up on this list, but I don't oh, want to talk God. about him. <laughs> Uh, all right, my last one, and with the look the hell out of here. Uh, okay, Patrick Sandoval, uh, Drew Smiley. Uh, I was gonna say Matt Manning, but that's an obvious one. You go pick up Matt Manning. Just don't even listen to us uh, talk about him. So don't count Matt Manning on this batch. All right. Uh, let's go with Caleb Smith, Joe Ross. I've already made that, my selection. 
or Zach Thompson of the Marlins? Um, uh, Patrick Sandoval. It's not even close. Okay, what's uh, what's up with Sandoval? He was a guy who, once again, got this. Well, I didn't get to see, but he started off the 2019 season in Double A. He made five starts uh, through the first month or so, and he had 32 strikeouts in 20 innings. I mean, he was just carving them up. Had a great breaking ball. Had a good changeup. And then he gets promoted in 2019 and ERA of five. Pitches a little bit in 2020, ERA of five. And you're like, okay, why does this guy who has good pitches suck? And it's because his fastball sucks. And to this day, his fastball still kind of sucks. But his pitch mix has changed. He's always had a great changeup and a great breaking ball. Uh, They call it a slider. It kind of looks more like a curveball to me. But that's, that's, you know neither here nor there. Now in 2021, his primary pitch is his changeup. He's throwing it 32% of the time. They're batting under 120 against it. It has a 56% whiff rate. That's like Luis Castillo in his prime territory. Um, then, then he's throwing a sinker as well as a four seamer and both are getting hit hard, but I maybe with the sinker, he's inducing a little bit more stuff on the ground. I'd have to dig more into it. The slider is still doing great as always. I wish you would throw it a little bit more because they are they can't hit it, and it's a great pitch. But uh, he's found some success these last few starts. Um, I believe he's given up only a few runs. Um, he's given up three runs, um, two runs, two runs, three runs, three runs, but he's gone like six innings in each start. So that's quality starts. And um, I think he's finally starting to figure it out. I do. I think he's figuring it out. Yeah, the thing I don't like about him is he pitches for the Angels, and it takes. It seems like it takes forever for those guys to get their turn on the rotation, and just very frustrating to deal with. So, if you're patient like that, go pick him up. I know I did. I did. I did uh, stream them, uh, Sandoval, and um, oh, who the hell is it? Who's the other Angels pitchers out there? Uh, Alex Cobb, Dylan Bundy. Yeah, it was him. It yeah. was him. Alex Cobb and uh, Patrick Sandoval who I streamed, uh, they had uh, very favorable matchups and that paid dividends in the baseball life league because I haven't lost since Father's Day. And uh, But yeah, it's just frustrating because you never know when they're pitching again. And uh, we'll go one more. Uh, we'll go one more and then we could call it a day. Zach Thompson or Joel Ross? Uh, I'm going to go with Zach Thompson because he is one of those guys who just came out of nowhere. Um, I did see some stuff that it was... Wait, that's the wrong Zach Thompson. I'm trying to find the Marlins Zach Thompson, not the yeah. just drafted in. There we go. One has a K, one has an H. Oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, that's like Zach Wheeler. Everyone kept saying it was Z-A-C-H, but it wasn't. But yeah, uh, came out of nowhere, really. This Zach Thompson for the Marlins, you know, really more out of necessity than anything. Yeah. Um, in the minors, he, <laughs> he hasn't really been good in the minors. Um, in double A or in triple A, which he hasn't been in the PCL, he's been in the on the eastern side over uh 49 games. He didn't have any starts in triple A. That's kind of wait, this has to be, the, yeah, this is the same guy. I have not, he started four games, he didn't start any games in 2021 in the minors, and he came up and he started four games. Yeah, he played. He was uh, coming out of relief. He, he has one save, eight games, fifteen innings pitch. Out That's of relief. so. And he comes up to the majors and starts his first four appearances. Well, he's and how, out of and necessity. How many innings does he go in each? He went 
three, no. five, four, and six. Yeah, they're that's, filling up his that, arm. That's, that's pretty interesting, though. Um, yeah. The stuff just profiles as bleh. Uh, the expected ERA is two runs higher than his actual ERA, but it's a re- pretty respectable 3.3. Um, throws a cutter. And so really, anytime we see someone that throws a cutter as their primary pitch, you're looking at more weak contact, but he is getting a, a solid whiff rate on it. Uh, the curveball has really been his best pitch, 57% whiff rate. But when you look at the peripherals on it, it might be overperforming a little bit. It might just be pitchers or uh, hitters to haven't gotten a good look on it. And maybe once the book gets out on it, hitters lay off of it more. And if they start laying off his curveball, he's a pretty hittable fastball. So there's that. I would temper expectations, but he could be like a really cool, like out of nowhere story. Yeah. Yeah. That's For someone who struggled, you know, pretty much in the minors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was relegated to the bullpen um, after 2017, as uh, the Marlins saw, or not the Marlins, the White Sox actually saw him as a as a bullpen arm uh, at a high A ball there back in 2017, 2018, and that is it. That was hope we were able to help you guys out today with the hitters and the pitchers, and Sean's telling you who to pick, and I'm telling you who not to pick, and. With that being said, let's see. We got other podcasts to talk about, don't we? Dong City looks like they're going to go on Wednesday nights. So catch Vincent Henry there. Uh, they should be back. Uh, they skipped last week, but they should be back uh, this week, Tuesday, tomorrow. That's the Football Life Presents the Audible with Matt. Uh, I think Matt Bushnell is back with Randy Hammond. It looks like they're talking about the AFC South, so they're going to be talking about your neck of the woods. I'm sorry, not the AFC, the NFC South, National Conference. National Football Conference. They're going to be talking about your neck of the woods there, Sean. Hey. Uh, the Workshoot Podcast. That seems to be the only podcast that actually sticks to their schedule on Thursday nights. Um, what the hell's going on in wrestling? Oh, there's there's beef between the WWE fans and the uh, AEW fans. So pick a side and come help us battle it out. <laughs> um, just make it as toxic as possible. Uh, and then what's the last one? Oh, my guys, the step back. Leon and Jacob uh, in the middle of a really heated uh, conference finals, both in the East and the West. So looking forward to that, uh, having them break down their episode from last week's already up and running. Lots to talk about. The draft's right around the corner. I may or may not show up on one of their draft specials. Who knows? I hope I get invited again because I absolutely loved it last year. And that's it. Then you're every Sunday morning, unless we tell you otherwise, Sean and I, we start off your Life Group podcast uh, week every week on Sundays right here at the Baseball Life Facebook group. For Sean, I am Felipe. Have a good night, everybody. Bye, guys.